Another way to play episode 117. I like to believe that you are a dream mason. I'm a dream mason. Everyone listening is a dream mason or has a potential to be one if they're willing to be courageous enough to declare that they have dreams. This is Alex Ternal with The Dream Mason. And if you want to learn to make the next chapter of your life better than the last, then you should be listening to Another Way to Play with my good friend, Hans Struzina. Welcome to Another Way to Play. I'm your host, Hans Struzina, Olympic athlete turned top producing Bay Area realtor. I believe that your success or failure is determined by your ability to compete and win when it comes to your mindset. Twice a week, I talk with other high performers to share the lessons and inspiration that allowed them to blow the roof off their success. So get ready to have some fun, be inspired, and most importantly, learn the skills you need to win in your own life. This is another way to play. I am your host, Hans Strazina, and I believe that your success or failure in life is determined by your ability to succeed and win when it comes to your mindset. Today's guest is someone I'm really excited to bring on. It's someone who has a really strong mindset and helps others do the same. It's the dream mason, none other than Alex Ternova. He's also the author of Fictional Authenticity, which if you're scratching your head about that one, don't worry, so was I, but we get into it in this episode. Alex believes that other people basically lose their ability to dream and to really set their goals and figure out what they want to do with their lives for one reason or another, and he helps them rediscover that ability and to build them, which is where the Dream Mason component came from with his coaching. He's also the host of the Dream Mason podcast, as well as the co-host for the Coaching Show podcast, which is probably one of the longest running coaching podcasts out on iTunes because it started before podcasting was almost a thing. So definitely go check those out later. In this episode, guys, we obviously talk about his story, his book, what it means to be a dream mason, but also something that I think is really, really critical, which is that life is always going to have pain. It's always going to have some discomfort. There's always going to be something that doesn't feel good, that doesn't feel right, whatever the case is, and choosing that actively, making the choices to lean into something and not just assume that pain is bad, but it's part of your learning process is a huge theme that runs through this particular show. And then he also has a comment which got me thinking and still has me thinking regarding uh, you, you are winning the game that you're playing and you want to listen in for that one because I think that's pretty powerful. And without any further ado, let's get into it. Before I do, I'm going to ask you real quick for a rating and review if you're getting some value out of this show. I really appreciate you listening and tuning in. And if you are getting value, hit like, subscribe, and leave a rating and review because it helps me grow, helps me get in front of a few more people, and gives me some great feedback so I know how to keep improving the show. Let's get into it with Alex Terranova. Alex, thank you so much for being on the show today. I'm really excited to have you on. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I, like I shared with you when we, when we just met, but I, uh, I shared with you, I've been listening to some of your episodes and I'm impressed and you've had some great guests. So I feel, uh, you know, I feel good. I feel like I'm in good company. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Right on. Well, likewise, man, I was checking your show out and prep for this one and, uh, definitely saw some really cool names in there, listened to some good stuff. So I'm excited about this conversation. So why don't you kick it off for us and tell us a little bit about what being a dream mason is, kind of what you have going on today, what your world is all about right now. 
So being a dream mason, I I invented the word dream mason, and it's that's what kind of sounds silly, right? I invented a word. <laughs> I um I when I I used to open up restaurants and bars for a living and I was totally lost and I didn't know what to do with my life. And when I went searching for what else was possible and what else was out there, the short version is I realized I was, my whole life was kind of a mess. But in that process, I started to understand there were people calling themselves coaches and I thought they were like kind of crackpots and I thought they were like too uber positive and what is all this? But ultimately I found myself in that world and I found myself finding focus and commitment and, and love and happiness. But the thing that didn't click for me was the idea of calling myself a life coach. I was like, what is, what is that term? It doesn't even make sense. And I remember sitting one day, I love the English language. I love words. I'm, I'm a writer. I wrote a book last year. And um, I, when I got to think of something that really identifies with me, what does that mean? And in playing with words, I, I, I really got connected to dreams because we all used to dream when we were kids, every one of us. There is not a kid out there who didn't have a dream. And yet something happens, right, as we grow up that all of a sudden we either give up on them, change them, settle or something, but, but they kind of go away to a degree. And, and I also found the, the word mason, which we think of as like builders, right? People that construct things, put things together, um, but really work with their hands and I'd love the idea of a dream mason. It's like, you're somebody who builds dreams. And I, and I really like to be clear, like, I'm not the dream mason. I'm not like a genie. I don't make anyone's dreams come true. Yeah, yeah. I snap with my fingers. Um, I like to believe that you are a dream mason. I'm a dream mason. Everyone listening ha- is, the dr- is a dream mason or has a potential to be one if they're willing to be courageous enough to declare that they have dreams. Because, you know, to say you have a dream is in the world we live in, could be kind of scary, man. People are people are brutal with each other these days. Mm-hmm. Um, so it takes some courage to say you have a dream, and then I think it takes commitment, integrity, and a lot of other things to actually get it in there and and build it. Um, you know, whether it be dreams of families and relationships or dreams of businesses, it's going to take something. Mm-hmm. So my my version of that for me is over the last six years, I have built my first company which is Dream Mason. Um, and every year it has become bigger and more, you know, and better than it was the year before. Um, I launched the Dream Mason podcast about three, oh, it's going to be three years and I think January or February. Um, I co-host my mentor's podcast, which is called The Coaching Show, which is, I don't, I don't want to say this, like at, it might be the longest running show on coaching on, on in, pod, in the podcast world. It's, it's almost 15, yeah. 16, 18, somewhere years old. Um, and I wrote a book last year called fictional authenticity. And right now I'm working on, uh, creating courses and programs mm-hmm. for people. Cause I think, you know, there's a lot of people that want one-on-one coaching and there's a lot that are looking for like, Hey, can I do an online course? Can I do a program? Can I learn? Um, and so that's something I've been working on recently is, is developing multiple courses and programs for people. Can you real quick, I said, I want to go back into your story and, and kind of dig in on where you first began, but can you tell us a little bit about the book? Cause that title just really, when I, when I saw it on your website and when you've mentioned it, I just, it's, it's kind of, what does that mean? Fictional authenticity? Like, I don't, I don't totally understand. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do you remember, I mean, I'm sure you do. So I'm asking kind of rhetorically, but do you remember when you were a kid and you thought about like what you would be like maybe in the future or as a grown up, yeah. 
And do you remember thinking like you probably had an idea of make, maybe what you'd look like, maybe what you'd do. I don't know, like specifically what job, but like it would kind of like give this idea of like who you would be like as a, as a grown up. Right. Yep. I think that we all have some version of that. And un- unfortunately or fortunately, I think that vision that gets created is often due to media, mm. especially in the, if you're like under, I don't know, 50 years old or something when media has been mm-hmm. so prevalent, mm-hmm. like TV, movies, music, especially with social media. And I think at such a young, impressionable age, you know, things happen to us that scare us as little kids, right? Like divorces, deaths, right. people get hurt, all sorts of things. Everything happens to somebody. And in that, you know, we don't have the clarity and the answers that we need when we're little. And so I think one of the things that we do, and this, a lot of people explain this different ways. This isn't like just my theory. People have all sorts of explanations for how this works psychologically. But fictional authenticity is kind of my take on it, where I say like, hey, stuff happened to us when we were little. And in trying to find safety as a little person, we kind of created the things that we were missing and that who we would be, be, who we would become. So for me, I realized when I was a kid, like, oh, I, maybe I'm not the smartest kid. Now, that wasn't true, right? It was based mm-hmm. on some, some uh, I was having trouble reading and some other issues I was having. So I made up this story that I was dumb. And uh, I looked for ways that I could compensate. Well, if I was a good athlete, if I was cool, if I was charismatic. And then I started looking for people that were like that outside of me, right? Like I remember being a kid and looking at people like Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sylvester Stallone and um, at baseball players and basketball players and characters on TV like mm-hmm. Zach Morris from Saved by the Bell. Like these people that could go, well, they're not NASA scientists. They're not, these are not, you know, right, Rocky right. was not acing tests, but these are people that were strong and, and people like them and people rooted for them. And I think I created a version of what my life would be based on this, all these ideas. And I think that when we grow up, all of a sudden, for a lot of us, we're now living that life that we kind of imagined. Or we might be living the opposite. Sometimes it's kind of like the coin is, there's two sides to coin. We might be on the opposite side of it or that. And the thing is, it's like, that's not who we really are. Yeah. Right? We made that up. We made that up based on what we thought we needed or what we lacked. And that, the title of that book is like, it's authentic because that's who we, we become, but it's fictional, right? Because mm-hmm. we wrote it, like we created it. It's not really real. It's like a contrived authenticity that we've just didn't even realize. And I, I think for a lot of people, we see it with like midlife crises. We see it with people like all of a sudden they have their dreams come true and yet mm-hmm. they're still unsatisfied or unhappy. I think that those are moments when it happens. People get in accidents or find out they have cancer and all of a sudden it's like, oh my God, they wake up. Yeah, yeah. That idea is like me, I kind of in my book unpack it for what it looked like for me, but I, but I pose questions throughout the book so somebody like you or anyone could go, man, where, I, where am I doing this? Where did I invent what it was supposed to look like? And I'm living into the invention versus who I really am. Man, that's awesome. Uh, thank you for breaking that down. Cause I, I think everybody listening, like you said, can probably relate to that. If, if they really start to think about it and go deep into their own soul and, and their own, um, world, if you will, and, and try and figure out where those things came from. Cause I, I, as you're talking, I'm thinking about some of that stuff in my world. 
Um, and I imagine you had done a lot of the work to kind of get there to even author that book. Um, so tell us a little bit, like, let's back up in your story. Where did you come from? Like, where did your story really, really begin? So I grew up, I mean, I guess that's where it began, right? Like it's like <laughs> I grew up in LA and I think that actually matters a lot in this sense because LA is a very kind of fake known, it's like known as a very fake town, right? right. Like it's, um, it's the home to so it's, you know, people can go there and reinvent themselves from all over the country. It's where obviously Hollywood is and it's, it's a very money and vanity kind of looks driven town. So I think part of my fictional, my fictional authenticity story was about things having to look good. Like, right. Like what it looks like on the outside matters more. What kind of car you drive, what kind of girl you have, or what kind of man you marry. But these things matter more than they might matter in like some other place in the country or in the world. Mm -hmm. And I think that's part of how I developed to be the person I was because I happened to be born in this place. And because of what I lacked or what I didn't, these things stood out. Um, so I was a, uh, I, I grew up in LA. I went to college in LA. I didn't, I was kind of the person who never knew what they wanted to do. You know, I always looked at jobs for the same reason. I would be like, well, it'd be cool to be a sports agent because sports agents make money and they get all the girls. And like, you know, I'd have these like very childlike yeah. thoughts about jobs. I didn't, it was all from ego, right? Like I didn't actually know what I wanted to do when I went to college because I didn't, how else, I didn't know what to do, right? I didn't know what, everyone always said, like, go to college. Like, that's right. what you do. And I was super fortunate enough to, like, have the fi- family that would support that and, like, you know, be behind me and, like, and whatnot. Um, but while I was in college, again, still not knowing what to do, I was just trying to get through. I was working in restaurants. I was bartending. I was waiting tables. And all of a sudden, I just found myself in that world. You know, that's a world that also fits into that. Bartending restaurants is a very kind of like um, get your needs met quick. It's a very like, it's a culture, it's a world that's built in kind of like hookup culture mm-hmm. with the staff and like, especially in bars or even in restaurants, the staff. Um, and it kind of let me have my 20s be like extended high school. Mm-hmm. And so all of a sudden I'm into my, I'm like running through my twenties. And even though I had moved my way up in the restaurant business and I was opening them, I was still living. Like I was kind of like, I had no sense of the future. Mm-hmm. I was just being, and, and everything was ego. Um, and so that took me to like where I was 28 years old, feeling lost, confused. What the hell am I going to do with my life? Now I'm drinking more. Now I'm chasing even more. And like, it just, it's like you get closer and closer to the dream, right. you know, on, on that path. Yep, and I heard you know, some of your other guests have talked about these things too, right? You find yourself lost yeah. and doing things that don't. And that, that kind of took me to moving to New York city, looking for outlets and, um, it wasn't long before that, that I actually had this moment where I just felt like I got to change my life. Like, so I moved to New York city and I thought that I would, you know, like kind of run away from my life and, and rebuild it in New York. And you know, the, the funny thing about life is, you know, you follow you everywhere. Mm-hmm. So when I got there, it took a little bit more time, but I actually had to have a kind of a wake up moment where I'd really go, holy shit, if I keep living like this, I'm going to keep having the same kind of life I've been having. I got to change my life. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, I'm struck by this thing that I'm sort of going through myself, frankly, of like, you know, wherever you are or wherever you go, there you are, Mm -hmm. you know, you follow you, as you said. And, um, you know, it's, it's fascinating when you really think like, oh, if I get 
this promotion, or if I move to this new city or I, I buy this car or this house, or, you know, even if I just switch industries or switch jobs, like my problems will be solved, but you're still bringing your baggage, your mindset, your problems, your, your wins, your losses, all that stuff with you. And it's still you at the end of the day. It's just, you might be numbing it or you might be delaying it or whatever the case is. And, uh, and, and to really have that assessment of yourself at 28, I think is kind of incredible because I feel like a lot of people probably go much longer than that, especially if they're having a good time um, in that world before they take that deep, dark look in the mirror. And that's where probably a lot of midlife crisis comes, comes from and among other things, I'm sure. Yeah. Well, 28, 28, just for clarity, was a lot of drinking first. It almost got like, a, it got worse before it got better. It got 28 to 30. It got a lot worse where I was kind of diving a lot more into that like avoidance mm-hmm. behavior. And at 32 was kind of 31, 32 was kind of that moment where like really life kind of like, I like to say like slapped me across the face, punched me in the face and said, you don't get to keep doing this. I mean, like you can, but it's going to get, you're going to not end up where you want. This is an opportunity to change. And for you, was that just like, I mean, I get, and I'm sure people listening get like, you can get caught up in a culture and having fun and that sort of thing. And years kind of can pass by. Um, but was there, was it just simply that you just didn't know what to do really? And that's where it was like, well, let's like, let's let my idle mind just go where it will. And it just happened to go into that, that life. Or was it something else that, um, some other lack or something else you were searching for, but couldn't quite find or couldn't quite put your finger on that, that kind of brought you to that place. I think we get exactly what we want. Hmm. And that's, it's a weird thing to say that because I don't, but because, because if you, if you're listening to this and you're going, well, I'm like a hundred pounds overweight, what do you mean? I get exactly what I want. And I would say, if you actually didn't want to be overweight, you'd do something about it. And that might sound harsh, but like you would, if you, if you, it's a lie that you don't want to. I, uh, I just, I just met this guy who helps people quit smoking and he goes, they tell me they don't want to smoke. And he goes, it's a lie. They'd figure something out if they don't want to smoke. They do want to smoke. What they don't want is the consequences of smoking. And I think that's the thing, right? Like I wanted to party. I wanted to like chase women. I wanted to drive nice cars. I wanted to live this ego life. What I didn't want was the consequences. Mm -hmm. And so I think we have to look at that. Like we're living the exact life that we want. So I think we get what we want. And what I mean by that is it's not always the obvious thing. Often the we get what we want is like a subconscious thing. So I was living this life and I was getting what I wanted. I wanted attention. I wanted to be like, cool. I wanted to be charismatic. I wanted to have fun. But what I really wanted was completely other things, but I didn't actually acknowledge those things. Subconsciously, I was getting these other things. And I think another way to look at it is like, if you're somebody who is, if you're somebody who is struggling with something right now, what are you getting from the struggle? Are you getting to complain? Are you getting pity from your friends or your family? Are you getting to like have that story like, oh, poor me, I'm the one who never gets what I want? Are you getting some story about how like, you know, the country's messed up? Whatever it is, I don't know what it is. And I think everyone's unique in that where it's like, we get exactly what we, one of my mentors said to me once, you're winning whatever game you're playing. Mm. So figure out what game you're playing because you might be winning at a game that you actually don't want to be playing. I love that mindset and that just that concept for lack of a better term, because it's, 
you're right. When you really start to break it down, it's like people you know, make decisions. There's no one who's sort of forcing you into, you know, going out and partying or eating too much or, you know, staying in and having no friends or whatever that, that world is for you. And when you start to acknowledge, like you said so well, you know, you're winning whatever game you're playing, it really starts to shift like, oh yeah, that I am a, I am sort of in charge of this, this ship and I am the person who can make these decisions or not. Um, and I imagine in your coaching, when, when you work with people um, one-on-one, that's, that's all, and your courses for that matter, that's exactly the kind of mindset shifts and the kind of content you work through with their stories and with them to overcome uh, whatever it is they're facing and then get them into a new ball game to, to win at that one instead of the one they're in. Absolutely. And I think, I don't know if, um, I think it's just always, it's like always too important to remember we're having like a, a, a privileged conversation, right? Like we have all these, a coaching conversation. Now I can coach anyone. I can coach anyone in the world, but I think, I do think we have to have basic needs, Matt, right? We got to have these things like food, air, shelter, water under our belt. Like I wouldn't walk in to a, a desolate village that doesn't have clean air, air, water, or food and tell them like, just set your mind right and you'll have all your dreams come true. That's, that's, I don't, I'm not saying that. Um, the people who typically are listening to this or we're having conversations with are people that have that and they're like trying to take it to the next level. And I think with each level that we're at, we have to drop another story. It's like we have to shed another layer. Um, so we have to kind of, you know, as a snake wants to grow, it loses its skin, right? And then it has to form new skin. And I think we have to do that too as people. If you're doing well, but you want to do better, or you want to expand your life or your business or your relationships, you kind of have to like peel that old skin off, let it go and step into the unknown of what's new. Yeah. That's, that's really fascinating. I I actually have never really thought of it in that, that capacity. Um, As far as like the, the whole recognition, like, that recognition of the old skin, if you will, if we're going to continue this metaphor, that's got to be probably one of the most painful parts of any transformation and any coaching engagement that you have with somebody and probably the most uncomfortable thing to get over. And yet it's probably the most important part of what you do, I would imagine. Um, Can you speak to that? And if someone's sort of feeling some of what you're saying here today and, and wants to start to kind of get the ball rolling and take the, take the next step. How can they start to address these things internally, even though they're probably really painful and, and sometimes almost seemingly impossible to overcome? Yeah. You know, pain is um, pain, something we're all going to feel right. We can't get a right. We can't get away from pain. I think what we do with the pain is that's where we have some choice. So it was painful to leave the life, like my life behind and change my life. There were a lot of people that I was good friends with that had no interest in being friends with me as I left behind partying and drinking and the world that I was in. And that's fine. I, there's, I, I, I think there's nothing wrong with that world. It just wasn't working for me anymore. And there was a lot of pain around like, you know, I, when I left, the job that I had to venture into a, the unknown of a new job, a new career, building my own company, a lot of pain around not having money and having to start from scratch and having to go in debt and not knowing if I was going to make money each month and how I was going to make it work. And I, I think for anyone, like you get to choose what you do with that pain, right? You can suffer with it 
Mm-hmm. And it's like a very Buddhist philosophy, right? Like pain, like existence is suffering mm-hmm. and pain is pain is, or sorry, suffering is kind of a choice. You, you know, you could suffer not having money or you could decide to do something else with it. You know, I decided early on that when things were going to be rough financially in the beginning of starting a new company, that that was actually just acceptable and normal. So it helped me a little bit instead of stressing about it. I just was like, oh, this is how it is. You're just not going to have money like you had before for a little while. Mm-hmm. So then it didn't make me have to be like all upset about it all the time. It's just the norm. Mm-hmm. But I think for people that are, you know, if you're, if you're wanting to shed your skin, if you're wanting to grow, if you're wanting to leave things behind, you can actually go, hey, it's okay to be uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. It's okay for things not to be okay. You know, we're so, we're so accustomed to things having to be okay or having to be comfortable. But everything that most of us want is on the other side of discomfort. Amen to that. We have to get, on, we have to get uncomfortable. You know, whether it be that, I use that, that, that thing I said before about losing weight. If you're 100 pounds overweight, it's going to be uncomfortable to stop eating the way you've been eating. And it's going to be uncomfortable to start exercising the way you need to exercise. Mm-hmm. And the body or the health or whatever is on the other is on the other side of that discomfort. So when it feels uncomfortable to exercise or it feels uncomfortable to just eat spinach, mm-hmm. um, I'm not giving dietary advice here, right. uh, but that you actually, we, if we can learn to embrace that discomfort, you know, I don't think the snake is like, this sucks. I'm losing my skin. The snake just loses the skin. We mm-hmm. have the capacity to make meaning about it and talk about it and, and, and kind of complain about it. I think that's where you have that opportunity. It's like, hey, I'm making a choice to leave the, the way of living that I've been living behind me. And I'm going to focus on the thing that I really want. So even in that, it's like you could focus on having to eat spinach and work out really hard. Or you could focus on what life would be like not having diabetes or seeing your grandkids grow up, right? And you could do this with anything. So if we're looking at a company, you could focus on how hard it is to hire and build a company and, and pay a lot of people and put yourself out there in that vulnerable spot of building something and being um, responsible for a lot of people. Or you could focus on the difference you're making. Mm-hmm. And that's, that I think is where we have a lot of power. And I think if we focus more on where we're headed instead of the things coming in from the sides or from behind us, we have a lot better opportunity of getting there and enjoying the ride as we go. Man, I love that. Um, that concept of everything you just said, I wholeheartedly agree with it and, uh, am definitely thinking about it myself. I mean, I'm, I've just finished, um, I don't know if you've read Mark Manson's books, um, but I just finished mm-hmm. his second one. And, and one of the big takeaways was, was sort of like, you know, choosing your pain and, and really realizing that there's no such thing as a life without pain and discomfort. It's just a matter of um, what it is and, and to what degree it is and that sort of thing. And, and to think that you're going to sort of have a, a world where you don't you're not frustrated and you're not in pain in some capacity and you're not this or that is, is naive. And you're really setting yourself up for failure because then your ability to change is almost negligible or zero because you know, you have to go through some pain to, to get there, to get to the other side of that, mm-hmm. that, um, that moment that you're looking for. And, um, 
I'm just, I'm just sort of reflecting on that as you're talking and I'm thinking to myself just how, um, when I, when I left my, my Olympic rowing career, which some of the listeners have heard me talk about before, I was at the top of a mountain and was really, uh, had a lot going for me in that world, but it was a very narrow pursuit and not something I was going to do forever, of course. And it required me to descend the mountain, if you want to use this metaphor, and then go find another one to climb. And the descent down the mountain means you have to be a newbie at something. You have to go start over and, and work your way up from the very bottom all the way up again to something else. And that part freaks people out, whether, and then that could be weight loss, that could be stopping smoking, that could be, you know, starting a company, that could be anything. And, and realizing that that pain is normal and natural and the, the discomfort is part of the process and, you know, the, just tuning your mind is like, this is, this is growth. This is a good thing as opposed to this is something to be avoided. Um, I think what I'm hearing you say at least is a huge part of those first few steps. Yeah, we hate that. Like we hate that uh, unknown. We hate the discomfort. We hate the unknown. Everything I love, we we don't like feeling bad, right? Like there's, yeah, um, these things and these things, and and none of that's there's nothing wrong with any of that. Like you don't have to. That's all okay. But if you want to get somewhere other than where you are, it kind of comes with it, you know. Like if you want, I, I like to think of, um, you know, if, when, what happens when you if if you want to eat pizza. There's consequences associated with it, mm-hmm. and if you want to eat pizza really fast, there's a re- that you're going to burn the roof of your mouth, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you might not feel good after you eat it. You might feel good while you're eating it, but there's consequences, and there's nothing wrong with pizza. But what do you choose? Do you choose the consequences that come with pizza, or do you choose the consequences with with um, choosing a salad? Right. Do you choose the consequence of being an employee, or the consequence of being an owner? You know. We're getting to the end of the time and I, and I just want to kind of round off with this. Um, I'm struck by what you're saying of like, when I first started getting really into personal development and business learning and that sort of stuff, I was following a lot of Grant Cardone's things. And one of the things that I always remember him saying was like, I want new problems. And, and mm. meaning like if you are all of a sudden having to figure out how to handle so many sales in a month, like that's a good new problem to have, but it's nonetheless a problem in, in payroll and, you know, taxes and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's all good, but it's still pain. It's still problems. And like, I'm, I have a friend who's worth an awful lot of money. He runs a very successful medical device company. And he was just mentioning to me the other day, one of his biggest problems is some of his competitors are hire these private reporters to go basically slander him in the news um, to try and like knock him off his game so that he will be less competition to them. And it's like guys worth hundreds of millions of dollars and he's got a huge freaking problem. He doesn't have money problems anymore, but he's got other problems to deal with. So this idea that pain is always there, there's always hurdles to get over. It's, it's, it's growth. It's life. It's just part of, of the way it is. And it sounds Mm -hmm. like that's a huge part of what, you do in your, your coaching and helping people get through those, um, get to where it is that they want to go. Yeah. I love that idea. Like you do, you get to choose your problems, right? You want bigger problems. You want smaller problems. Cause we all got them. I, I love helping people create bigger lives. Mm. So if you 
want to, you know, if you want to walk through this life and not make any, not ruffle any feathers, by all means, like that's right. Every, we all get a choice. There's nothing. I, I think it's important for everyone to think like, I hear a lot of people are like, well, why does everyone have to be like working on themselves and improving themselves? They don't. Absolutely. Like, there's nothing wrong with not doing it. Mm-hmm. But if you do want to do it, and if you do want a life other than the one you're living, or you do want things in your life than other than what you have, you're going to have to do things other than what you've done. You're going to have to behave in ways other than the ways you've behaved. You're going to have to put out effort in other ways and actions in other ways and relate to people in other ways. And I love helping, you know, working with people that have actually done a really good job of creating great lives and are still going, man, I've made this money. I've built this company. I've had this thing. And why is there still something missing? You know, what is that thing that's missing, whether it be outside of themselves or inside of themselves and how can they create it? And I think that has you at the end of the day going, man, I got, I got to live the life I want. I got the things I wanted at the relationships I wanted and I feel fulfilled and satisfied and I'm happy. Um, and even when bad things show up, I know exactly who I want to be in the face of them. So I'll still look at myself in the mirror every day and, you know, be proud of who I was and, and who I've been being with other humans. That's awesome, man. I really appreciate that. Um, Shoot, I could sit here and talk to you about this all day, but I know you, you've got a busy day and I want to respect the rest of your afternoon. Um, so I am going to un- transition us over to the focus five, which is the same five questions I ask every guest on every show. Are you ready? <laughs> I'm ready. Right on, man. Um, first question, we talked about your book um, at the opening of the show, uh, but what book have you gifted most often that isn't your own? Hmm. What book have I gifted most often? You know, I gift books be depending on people. So, right. Like depending on what people, what I think people need or what they want. Um, the book that I would, if I was just gifting one book to anyone and everyone everywhere, I think I would give a, um, a book called conversations with God. Mm. Have you ever heard of that book? I don't think so. It, um, it's I, to keep this simple. I mean, it's a book that just changed my relationship to spirituality. Um, and that in turn made my relationship to everything in my life better. It let, it let me, I want to say connect with myself and something bigger, but also all other humans in a more kinding, gentler, loving way to bring more empathy and compassion to everything that I do. And so if there was, if I had to say, if there's one book, that would be the book. And I don't think you don't have to be religious. You don't have to be spiritual. You could be those things. Um, it's a, it's just a very powerful book. If you could get an hour of somebody's time past or present live or dead and ask as many questions as you wanted, who would that person be and why? Oh man, I think it would be Michael Jordan. (laughs) I was like, at first, right when you said it, I was like, Oh, Michael Jordan. And then I was like, no, it can't be him. Um, I think Michael Jordan was, was, I remember him as being like my first hero. Like I wasn't even a Bulls fan, but like Michael Jordan was the, was like the epitome of being what great at something looks like. Uh, Mm -hmm. He's one of my earliest memories, seeing a picture of him on a magazine and being like, one day I'll be great like him. Mm -hmm. But I think what Michael Jordan has uniquely done um, that other people have done also is Michael Jordan sacrificed a lot of things to be the best at at what he um, 
what he is, right? People mm-hmm. have feelings about him. Other athletes have feelings about him. Um, he made a commitment early on that he was going to be the best basketball player pretty much, you know, ever. While he was playing, he had that ability to try to control that. And I think he was willing to be committed to that no matter what. And I would love to be able to understand how you generate like that level of commitment, because if you could do it in one area, why can't you do it in multiple areas? Yeah, man. I I love that. That's a great answer. Uh, What is one thing that you believe that most people would disagree with you on? um, That most people would disagree with me on. I feel like people disagree with me on a lot of things. (laughs) Um, I'm like, I'm pretty, I say what I mean. And I, and I, uh, okay. Maybe the, maybe this, uh, people often say they don't know. Like you ask someone a question, deep questions, like about things and they say they don't know. I think it's bullshit. I think it's a lie. I think we always know we use, I don't know, as an excuse and a way to get out of having to deal with what that question might bring up or the consequences. Mm. And I think there'd be people that a lot of people would disagree and say, well, sometimes you just don't know. That's awesome. Give us a glimpse of your morning routine. How do you like to start your day? Pre-COVID or (laughs) (laughs) post-COVID? How about right now during COVID? Right now during COVID, it's, it's actually tested my routine more than ever. Right now, it's just to wake up and make sure I meditate before I do anything else. Mm-hmm. Everything else, it, it, pre-COVID, I had, it was layered. There were multiple things. Um, but since COVID's gone on, I've actually allowed myself to not be so rigorous and not hardcore. And so every day I meditate um, for about yeah, 16 to like 25 minutes, depending on the meditation. Um, but it's like I get up. I brush my teeth. I usually rinse myself off and then I meditate. Like it's, it's like very quickly those, those things right away. Awesome. And Alex, I really appreciate your time. If anyone listening wants to connect with you, get a uh, copy of your book, all that good stuff. Where is the best place online that they can do that? If they go to the they can find my social media. They can find a link to my book, which is on Amazon. They can find the links to the podcast. Uh, and if they go there and they take my authenticity audit, which is a free kind of assessment that I created um, to find out how authentic people actually, how authentic you are, they can actually schedule time with me for free. Right on. So that's a fantastic offer. And then I imagine you'll kind of go through the audit with them and, and, uh, and talk about it one-on-one in that, in that time. Yes, totally. Yeah. Especially if they want to, right. They can use the time for whatever they want, but often people want to understand more about what it, what it means, like what they discover in in that answering those questions. Awesome. Alex, man, I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for being on the show and uh, hopefully you have a good rest of your day. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Awesome. And that's a wrap for today. Hopefully you got some value out of that. If you want to connect with Alex, take that free authenticity audit and then discuss it with him, head over to his website, dreammason.com, and you can find the authenticity audit right at the top of the page and take that and get a little bit of extra value out of that. I've got all his other stuff, social media, podcasts, all that good stuff down in the show notes. Same thing with that website. So you don't have to remember it. So just scroll down there. And if you want to connect with me, I'm on Instagram at Chief Sna, S-N-A-H. Love to see you over there. And you know, I've got my website, hansstrazina.com. If you want to learn about the show or any of the other stuff I have going on, 
head over there. Without any further ado, guys, I'm going to log it off. So thanks so much for tuning in. This is Hans Strazina, host of Another Way to Play. And remember to make every chapter better than the last.
Awesome. 